Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, as long as I can take that bottom off. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I bet. More. I snitch you. Yeah, so, uh, Brian, how do I turn this projector and all that good stuff back on? Hey, did you grab that uh, box? Okay, cool. I'm pretty loud, so I don't think I'll need a microphone. So this is the backup plan. Um, it's Patrick Brown. It has no automation whatsoever, but it at least captures leads. Yeah, and it'll just go through. So, like, you don't have to do anything other than just make sure it keeps getting passed. Like that. Oh, shit. How do we raise this back up? I'm sorry, I moved it. get that straight though. Yeah, and I don't see a clicker. Normally I bring one, but I didn't have one this this time. No, that's good. Uh, with the iPad, just have them take take one and pass for each. Okay. Uh, so you just here, you can just hand that up. Hey, Brian, do, do you guys have a clicker? I might have a clicker in my bag. Um, I used to, I was taking something else. Yeah, so pretty much just take one and pass it. Take one and pass it like that. Did you guys have a clicker? Awesome. Usually I travel with one. I'm on. This is day 16 of like 20 of like 22. So uh, I did not bring a clicker this time around. Yeah. Uh, no, it, w it would be wireless. 
Yes, yes. Oh, to the other computer? Uh, no. Your boss, Mike. Nice to meet you. Oh, hi, Mike. No, not yet. It doesn't feel like it. Are you who I was on the phone with? With uh, who picked me up from the airport last night? Nope. That wasn't you. But I know you weren't. You weren't on the phone. No. Okay. I don't remember. Clyde. I was. Well, I was with Clyde, and then she. He. He called. Very nice lady. After you picked me up, I didn't know if that was you. I mean, it could have been. Right. No, I think it was somebody else. Let me go get you a clicker. Appreciate it. Thank you. Mile straight. Everything's good, tucked in. Power good. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll need to we we'll need to dim the lights. Cool. Yeah, so give them all. Uh, give them like the. Sure. I hope I've got enough. Uh, I hope I've got enough of those things. If 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 we run out, you see we run out. I got more right here. Choose to get a clicker. You see where my water went? Oh, it's over there. Thanks, appreciate it, bro. Thanks, man.
the problem is if I uh, if I start it, I'm gonna have to stop to like plug it in, connect it, and all that stuff. So I'm gonna stop it if I don't have to. Is that iPad being passed? I don't see it. So who who's got it right now? Page twenty six. So the so see how it's going up. We got to make sure that it comes back down. So yeah, that's a yeah, most important thing is to lead lead secondarily pictures and then time. Yeah, fifteen and then another fifteen. So like fifteen in, another fifteen, ten, five, two. It's on the way. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll uh, start talking and then uh, then yeah, cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, do it. I was in the FBI. We could play incognito. Pictures too, if you can come behind me as well. Thank you. All right, so, uh, so while I wait for my clicker, first of all, can everybody, I still got my AirPod in, uh, can everybody hear me well? Can everybody hear me well? All right, so I'll, I'll raise my voice. How about now? Can everybody hear me well? All right, let me, uh, Brian, can I grab that mic? For the first time ever, my New York voice is not loud enough. Yeah. All right, can you guys hear me now? All right, much better. All right, first of all, I'm very thankful to be here. This is my first time in Montana. Uh, I was greeted with all those wonderful forest fires and the tiniest airport that I've ever been to. So uh, th thank you for the warm welcome. Uh, my name's Coach Mike. I'm one of the directors at Winning Mindset, as you can see here. Uh, I'll, I'll speak a little bit to my background and what, what, what led me here today. But like I said, my goal here is that uh, I want to leave you with some tools uh, to help your teams, to help your athletes, uh, not just in sports but in life. Uh, and I want to make sure that you kind of get a better understanding of mindset, how, how unique that what happened to Simone Biles happened you know, in the last 24 hours that really sheds light into how important mindset really is. We talk about it a lot. But uh, you'll see uh, how drastic of a gap there is between what we think mindset training is and what it actually is. So I'll go ahead and get started. I'll, like I said, I'm uh, waiting for my clicker, but we'll make the best of what we got. So why are we here today? All right. As you can see up there, there's three pillars to building an athlete. I didn't create that. That's the 3D coaching model. Right. These three pillars to build an athlete is uh, fundamentals, physical, psychology, and heart. Now, there we go. There's my clicker. Now, as we're uh, getting this clicker hooked up, a couple things. There's an iPad going around. Uh, there's a stack of these little postcards that have that Michael Phelps photo uh, and just a, just a brochure for your viewing pleasure while we uh, talk. Please, if you could put your information in that iPad, we're not going to spam you. We constantly pu uh, put out really good information for coaches to help your teams on a regular basis. So just put your information in that iPad if you want that as well. Uh, I'm going to send out anyone that gives uh, their information. I'm going to send out the number one performance tool that we use. 
that'll be specific to your sport. So it'll ask you what sports you coach, and I'll send you a sports-specific approach, uh, a sports-specific tool. Thank you. A sports-specific tool for you, for everyone that fills that out. All right? So, like I said, why are we here today? There's three dimensions to building an athlete, physical, psychology, and heart. Unfortunately, we spend all our time on the physical aspects and very little time on the top two. We try to physically outwork the problems here and here, and I'll get into how and why. All right? So, why are we here today? Understand the mental and the physical gap. What, how, and why we can address it. You're investing in your athletes and you're investing in yourself. Okay, that's another big reason why you're here. Uh, I know for some of us, it's probably some continuing education credit, but realistically, you're gonna spend a couple days out of the end of your summer uh, to make sure that you become a better coach and a better person. I'm gonna tell you some secrets that the books won't tell you, right? And I'm gonna also talk about how we approach mindset in such a unproductive way where we spend more time on books and podcasts than we actually do training, right? Imagine if we spent all of the physical training and basketball skills and drills instead of actually doing them we talked about them and listen to podcasts. We wouldn't do very well, would we? So I'm gonna share with you some secrets that you don't see in all the books that we work with athletes all over the country. All right, so today, predator mindset and weaponizing gratitude. I'm gonna spend about 90% of my time on the predator mindset and mindset 101, and I'm gonna introduce to you this concept of weaponizing gratitude, which in my opinion is the uh, top tier level of performance. The two big takeaways that I want for you guys is a rock solid process to manage your mind not just for yourself, but for your athletes, obviously. Um, and to be able to use this as a resource to help solve the problems that take up the most of your time as a coach, all right? Now, like I said, there's a uh, iPad going around. We have a booth, uh, booth number eight. There's a website that you can get some really quick information from, mindsetinfo.com. That's just kind of a, a, a brief description of who we are, what we do, a little bit about me. Uh, and then there'll be a special discount for anybody that uh, attends this clinic for you to, if, if you decide to utilize us to help your team. So here's the question that I ask first in every single place that I go. Uh, and again, mind you, I've, I've spoken at over 100 clinics over the last couple of years, actually probably more than that now, probably at around 150. The big question is what percentage of sports, school, and life is mental versus physical? So just call out numbers. Can't hear you. 90 mental. What else? No wrong answer. Come on, you guys hate when your kids don't participate, right? 60, 70, 80, whatever. It's a lot, right? We're gonna say, if I, if I have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you, you'll say 60%, 75%. Well then why, isn't, why is it that 100% of our training is done physically? Oh, well we do mindset training. We, we, we talk about our goals, we visualize. Yeah, that's not mindset training. That's, that's touching on, for like, for example, in, in, in our curriculum, you're talking about two worksheets out of 60. You're talking about uh, brushing up on a subject, not actually systematically training. So the reason I say that is that there's such a big gap. We're saying that sports is 90% mental. Most of the time your athletes underperform. It's here and here, not their skills. But we train almost 100% physical. And we haven't been approaching that the right way. So I, I'm gonna show you a really quick example of, of how uh, clear that is and why mindset comes down to everything that you focus on. So when we teach people to focus on the right things, it becomes very hard to do the wrong ones. All right, my man, can I grab you for a second? I'm gonna do a little exercise to show you how important it is to focus on the right things. All right, so you see this stick right here? 
Dan, I'm going to have Dan balance this stick on his hand, but he's only going to look at the bottom of this stick. So when you're balancing this right here, you can only look at the bottom. Okay? So take your time, right? When it, when it moves, you can move, right? But only look at the bottom. Let's try again. Try again. So not easy. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to shift your focus just to the top of the stick right here. Okay? Take a deep breath. When you're ready, let it go. He went from not being able to balance it whatsoever to balancing it no problem. He didn't get stronger. He didn't get smarter. He didn't get faster. The only thing that he did was shifted what he focused on. Hey, let's give Dan a hand. Thanks, man. So now that you get a gist as to how important it is what you focus on, how it could drastically change everything in a moment, let me tell you a little bit about me. So like I said, I'm the director at Winning Mindset. We work with over 4,000 athletes a year. Uh, I'm one of the master speakers and trainers. I'm one of the original seven coaches. Now we have 60. Uh, I used to be in the FBI. I was there for seven years. That's what I always wanted to do. I left the FBI to do this because I was in your shoes and I was a coach that was tired of seeing my kids not perform to their potential. I had one time where I had 13 kids in the state finals, not 13 kids in the state finals. Nine should have won, five just diarrhea all over the bed. There was absolutely no reason for them not to perform. They just didn't show up, right? How many of us have been there? Sucks, right? Put in a whole season. So for me as a club coach, right, they come to me for extra training. Realistically, their parents pay me to win, right? So everything that they had done was there. It just didn't show up. And I was mind blown. I'm like, I'm the hostage negotiator. If I can't get inside these kids' head, who the heck is? So I sought out resources. Long story short, I used this company as a client back in 2014, 2015, started coaching, saw the drastic impact we were having across sports. The Olympic team started calling. That's when I realized that like, this was my next step uh, and this is what I needed to do with the rest of my life. Like you, I'm a coach. Uh, I've run a successful wrestling club in Houston the last seven years. I grew up in New York. I was a D1 athlete. I wrestled on a top 10 team. I know what it takes to wrestle at the highest level. And that's why I was so mind blown to why my really talented kids couldn't perform. Uh, so just to give you perspective, again, coach just like you, uh, we do pretty well. They got over 50 All-Americans and nine national champions out of Little Houston, Texas. Little in the sense of not, not a real big splash in the wrestling community. Now, wrestling's my main, my main trade, but I've played every single other sport, to include basketball, even though I'm short as hell, all right? So, now actually, you know, fu funny story about basketball. So in the FBI, we had a pickup league, and uh, uh, the girlfriends of the guys that I was playing against, they said uh, I wasn't allowed to play with their boyfriends anymore, who were like football players in college. He's too rough. You can't, you can't play with him anymore. He's gonna hurt you. I mean, meanwhile, I'm 5'5", five five and you know, these guys are over six feet tall. But what I made up for, what, 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 I, what I lacked in uh, shooting skills, I definitely made up in probably overly fouling somebody. All right, so uh, D1 wrestler, I'm also a jiu-jitsu blue belt. Uh, you know, in order for me to connect with a lot of the top athletes, like I work with a lot of guys in the UFC. I've had three guys fight for UFC titles, uh, girls that are world champions. And uh, in order for me to connect, I actually started competing again myself, not in wrestling, but in jiu-jitsu. I, I wanted to make sure that I understood what it felt like to compete now. So in my early 30s, I'm 35 now, I started competing in jiu-jitsu, uh, utilizing the tools that I have here. And uh, in 11 matches, I was unscored on, uh, submitted eight of my opponents, and made a professional grappling debut in front of 2,000 people. Haven't lost or even gotten scored on yet. All right, so what problem does our company solve, right? What's the issue that we have here? 
everyone recognizes this guy's face. Let's see if we've got uh, sound here. So we won't have sound, but you can read here. It's Joe Rogan talking with Ben Askren on his show. No real guidelines to prepare your mind. Everybody teaches you all the arts, but nobody teaches you how to manage your mind. So long story short, there really is nothing out there. There's some resources, there's some podcasts, there's some, uh, there's some videos, there's motivation, but there's nothing really to help you teach kids a process to manage your mind. Again, like I'm gonna reference to Simone Biles thing in a minute, but that's the greatest, one of the greatest Olympic athletes of all time had a meltdown in the Olympics that cost her team a title, right? We could say mental health all day and that's great, but realistically, everything that she's saying comes a lot down more to performance, which should have been addressed for years, right? Not just uh, something mental health where she had a collapse in the moment. Again, we'll talk more about that. So what is mindset training, right? And how does this apply to you? Strength training for your mind, it's a lot more than toughness. So we try to break things down into muscles. Aggressiveness, mental toughness, uh, motivation, confidence, relaxing under pressure, being in the moment. We talk about these things all the time as coaches, but we don't teach kids how to do them, right? So number one goal, when they show up, they show out. They just perform their best, they maximize their potential. They learn how to do that in sports so that they can learn how to do that in life, gaining a mental edge. The other thing that mindset training does, and this is where you know, we talk about Simone Biles, is uh, you know, dealing with damage control, working on areas of improvement, whether it be in sports like basketball or whether it be uh, academically. You can see the translation or the transparency between the two, right? Here are just some of the things specifically in basketball that we find these athletes really struggle with. So we have 26 sports specific programs, basketball being one, and these are just some of these specific things to the sport that we find hold your athletes back. As you're looking at this list, how many of you see more than two things that your athletes struggle with, right? And the reality is probably those of you that aren't raising your hand are just focused on the paper and you're trying to figure out how the heck your kids keep struggling with this, right? What happens is that uh, we try to solve these problems with hard work. That's like trying to get better at math studying English, right? It doesn't work that way. That's why there's three layers to an athlete, physical, mental, heart. You can't fix this with this. Yes, the more you work, the more you believe in yourself, but there's a hell of a lot more to mindset than just being tough and working hard, right? So what does mindset training look like? So for us specifically, and it's different with everybody, but you know, for us, it's one-on-one you know, -on -one with your team. This is Central Michigan University. These are wrestling team, D uh, D1 team, top 25 in the country. That's one of our coaches, Jake Hunter, uh, with their team, meeting with them once a week throughout the season. Just giving you an idea. Combination of sports-specific mindset training worksheets and one-on-one uh, -on -one mentorship. So again, I'm explaining this so that you understand how in-depth athletes at the highest level treat developing this. It's not a casual conversation, but I was talking to one of the volleyball coaches earlier and they're like, yeah, we talk about mindset all the time. I'm like, well, that's cool. Why don't you talk about drills? Stop actually doing the drills. Talk about lifting. Stop actually lifting. Don't, don't run anymore. Just talk about running. Read books on it. Listen to a podcast on it. Crazy when you think about it, right? I, I thought I was going to open up a one-of-a-kind wrestling facility in Houston, uh, had the plans, had the investors, and whether it was God, the universe, or whatever, uh, it led me to realize that this is where sports struggle, not here. 
any monkey that didn't even play sports in college or even high level in high school can learn to teach sports at a high level. Two of the best wrestling coaches in the country for high school boys and for women never wrestled a day in their life. It's not about the physical skills. Anybody can learn that. It's how to, it's how to use this to weaponize this to maximize performance, all right? So why is mindset training important? Let me just touch on a couple things here. You learn 5% of what you hear, 30% of what you see, 20 to 30, but 75% of what you do. So that's why what we do works and has such drastic results. So to give you perspective, uh, anybody familiar with wrestling? Okay, so Fargo, Fargo is the biggest wrestling tournament in the country for high school sports, uh, for high school wrestling, pretty much the Olympics for high school wrestling. 6,500 wrestlers competed last week. Uh, one of my teams in Arizona, which is not known for wrestling, tied the United States record for the most all, uh, most all Americans. Three of their kids knocked off number one seeds in the country to include an unranked, unseeded wrestler, Tex, which means beat by technical superiority, 10 points, the number one kid in the country, all right? That stuff happens on a regular basis for us because we're exercising a muscle they've never used, right? And that could be the same for your team. And it's not just, like I said, it's not about sports and winning. It's teaching them the life lessons so that they learn how to be successful in life. Just a quick reminder, I don't know where the iPad is. I hope it's still getting passed around. If it gets stuck, yeah, please, just make sure that it goes up and down. I appreciate it. My, my goal here is to help you guys because I was in your shoes and it sucks to put in all season just for your kids to not show up or they play well in this scenario but not in that scenario. How inconsistent your kids are, imagine you were that inconsistent at your job. You get fired. We're teaching kids, like every, every year, you know, they say society gets weaker and weaker. We're teaching kids it's okay to be inconsistent. And then they get in the real world and they're like, oh, what do you mean, I can't have good days and bad days? I can't be crap at my job this day and do good next day? Real talk, all right? So this is not motivational speaking, right? That's why when people talk about how they do mindset with their team, you don't, right? And that's why there's a constant gap between how good they are versus how good they should be, right? Um, focusing on performance, not on outcome. The biggest thing that I've learned, well, again, when I talked about gratitude, we get to compete. We don't have to win. That's the big difference. Now, you could say that to your kids all day, but that's not how they think or feel. That's why when you bring in a third party that has a system to train it, it completely changes. So if you listen to the interviews of my kids that won Fargo, you hear them saying that, like, man, I wasn't nervous at all. I was just so excited to compete. When you're happy and excited to compete, there's no room to be nervous. You're pumped to be there. You take chances. When you feel like you have to win, you feel like you can't make a mistake, you're cautious and hesitant, you don't make it happen. Learning how to hack that is how you hack performance, right? We do thousands of physical reps, no mental reps, right? At the highest level, right, there's three types of clients. The teams of yours that need to just get to the next level as quickly as possible. The team that's really good looking to close the gap, win state titles, and then the teams that win state titles. They wanna stay there, right? Learning how to maximize performance. Um, and again, what we're talking about today and, and, and what we do with teams and athletes, you know, across all sports, basketball included, is tools, not talking, all right? Realistically, mindset's the basis for all culture, uh, uh, positive and negative, for development and failure. Leadership and mindset will get you a lot farther than talent. I'm sure some of you have had some really good teams, didn't pan out. All right, so Simone Biles, once I came out here, I was like, no, mental's not there, right? And she goes and talking about how she's dealing with things, really stressful, never felt like this. That's the greatest gymnast of all time, just didn't show up.
So when you think about how uh, if she has those feelings, we know our kids have those feelings on a regular basis, right? And like I said, when I talk to elite athletes, like, oh, I'm tough enough. I'm a high-level athlete. I don't need that. Everybody needs that. You need that. You need this. You need this. All the most successful business people, they all have coaches. I mentor millionaires, uh, millionaires, millionaires, CEOs, right? All of those people have coaches. Conor McGregor, well, he's not a good example right now. So some of the best, all, most of the best athletes, like Izzy Adesanya, previously Conor McGregor, all of the top-level athletes, Kobe Bryant being one. You want to talk about an iconic basketball player, we should all know who Tim Grover is. He was the mental coach for Kobe, D. Wade, uh, and Michael Jordan. The best, but they had to figure out a way to get better. They all have mental coaches. So we can, we can prevent these sort of things, or like Kobe, he didn't necessarily have problems. He just wanted to make sure that he could play to his absolute best potential because in the NBA, you don't have the ability to show up with 90%, right? Here's just some examples of some, some recent success uh, to give you some examples. Uh, this is a Division Three lacrosse team, uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. This last year, they won their first national title as a team. They made the finals three times, got tired of placing second. That's why they hired us. They beat the number one seed and the number two seed uh, in the tournament to win. They were down by, down by one with 15 seconds left, found a way to score and beat the best team in college across history in double overtime. They've never won a title. Other teams won 12, right? When you focus on the right things, it's hard to do the wrong ones, just like the sick trick. Uh, as one of my fighters, Alex Perez, two years ago was unranked. This past year, he fought for the UFC title. Lost, but, you know, to go from, uh, to go from a guy that, like, you know, barely earned his right into the UFC within two years to be able to fight for a title, pretty special. Um, this was another great story, on, on another wrestling team. Uh, they upset the nine-time consecutive NAIA national champions. Granville University would have made college history if they won that year. No team's ever won 10 in a row. They beat them. Um, and then just two other great examples. In, in Michigan, we worked with a lot of basketball and wrestling teams in wrestling, which was the sport that we started with first, right? So lots of pedigree there. Uh, mindset is mindset, by the way, across any sport. I'm going to give lots of other sports examples, but – the mindset in wrestling is no different than the mindset in baseball, no different than the mindset in basketball. It's all about focus. So there's four divisions in Michigan. Uh, in 2019, the last non-COVID season, uh, four of our teams all won a state title. Four divisions, four state champions. So your focus determines everything, right? So what are the things that we should focus on? What are the things that we should not focus on? Attitude, effort, and being aggressive. This comes from one of my lacrosse teams that just won a uh, state title in North Carolina. Uh, these are the posters that they put in their locker room following our training to constantly remind kids to focus on the right things, right? Your attitude, right, the swagger that you come in with and, uh, you know, your, your desire to be there. I get to be here versus I have to win. Your effort, how hard you work, right, how hard you work, however long your game may be, right, however long the half is, giving everything that you can. Now, here's the thing. People always say, like, hey, take it a game at a time, a half at a time, a this at a time. A lot can happen in 15 seconds. So I tell my teams, especially in team ball sports, 15 seconds, one play at a time. Just do your job. We'll talk about that in a minute, right? But if you break it down into small intervals, life, uh, sports become a lot more manageable. So if we're in the basketball court and we're telling our kids that we're going to do suicides, and I say, hey, we're going to do 30 suicides, they're going to be like, oh, my God, that's a lot. If they do one suicide at a time, it's manageable. So break it down into small interviews. Like I said, attitude, effort, be aggressive, 
Aggressive is not just mean and getting in people's face. That's part of it. Aggressive is being willing to take chances. So at the higher level, when we talk about vulnerability, willing to show up, give 100%, take chances, even though you, you know you might fail. So women particularly and guys that want to impress their wives, I recommend that you watch a Netflix special by a lady named Brene Brown. She talks about vulnerability and how vulnerability is the key to success. In my opinion, uh, well, in my opinion, she talks about it too. Forever, it was about toughness and skill. The last 20 years have been about mindset. The next 20 years are going to be about weaponizing heart, which is what I started doing, which is why I've had three teams win a national title this last two years, right? Courage and vulnerability. Getting kids willing to show up, give 100%, knowing that they might fail, but not caring about the outcome that they can't control, but just being excited that they get to be there and give a full effort. When you start focusing on giving a full effort and being aggressive more than you care about winning, you'll win more. So, E plus R equals O, right? We can't control the things that happen. We can't necessarily control the thoughts that come in, but we have 100% control over how we respond. So think about this as a hostage negotiator, right? I can't control what the guy on the other side of the phone does. He's saying some wild stuff, stuff that I'm, I can't even say on the phone. I, there's no way I could even bleep it out, right? Like, F your mother, F this, you don't know what the F I'm going through. Like, blah, 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 he's going crazy. I'm gonna kill all these people here. I can't control how crazy he is. I can't control if he blows his wife's brains out. I control none of those things. If I think about whether or not that's gonna happen, I'm not gonna be able to focus on doing my best job. Focus is finite, right? There's this much focus. If 90% of it is, fo is focused on what the other person might do, then only 10% is focused on what I can do in the situation. You have to flip that script. So again, in a hostage negotiation, I can't worry about what they're gonna do. I have to focus on my demeanor, my calmness, my technique, my training, and whatever they say, I just have to respond, right? So being able to emotionally regulate is something that we're not doing a good job of preparing kids for. To be honest, our parents didn't prepare us well for that either. They just kind of threw us into the, ba the back of the pool and said, well, you can either sink, right, or I'll save your life 10 seconds before you drown, right? I'm sorry, you can swim or you drown. And I'll, like, don't worry, I won't let you die, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it pretty close. Anyone ever played that game with their parents? They threw you in the back of the pool and said, figure it out, right? I don't think everybody wants to admit how, uh, how crazy their parents really were. So point being is that when you learn to teach kids to emotionally regulate, right, and understand that like that is the key of the elite and that is what separates the best from the rest, what, what, what they start learning how to do in basketball, they then learn to apply in their school and then learn to apply in their careers and then in their marriage and then in their parenting. So the skills that you're giving them now by doing intentional mindset training will then carry on for the literal rest of your life. I was a client. It was the best investment I ever made as a coach, right, and, um, and for my athletes. And it's something where, like, it's the most rewarding job. Like, you know, 270,000 people applied for the job that I got at the FBI. 2,700 people got a conditional uh, level of hire. 1,500 made it through the background. I quit to do this. That's how, that's, that's, that was the difference in the level of impact. Where I, I, don't, I don't just help a kid win a state title. You know, the 60 coaches we have, like Chad over here. Chad, raise your hand. Chad, so so I, I can't take every client that I meet and I pass, uh, so I have to pass about 90% of the clients that I do meet and uh, a good portion of them I send to Chad. Uh, Chad will be talking, if you coach volleyball or track, he'll also be talking as well. Moral of the story is that it's not about the state titles, it's teaching kids what they're capable of. And that's realistically like what, 
we, sports used to do that casually. Life was hard, sports was harder. So what that means was we learned a lot of coping skills when we were kids. Just life was hard. Then sports were harder. Well, life got easier, sports stayed hard. Now life and sports are easy, comparatively speaking, to when we were kids. Right? We've had to lower the standards so much. So the reason that you're giving good advice and it doesn't stick is because they lack the coping skills to, to receive it. That's what we teach using sports-specific approach, using a basketball-specific approach. So like I said, can't control what happens or the thought that comes in. You can control your response. Your response dictates your outcome, right? Can't promise you're going to win, but you can put your best foot forward, right? So when you give a full effort and you're aggressive and you lose, you don't really have a lot of regrets. You're disappointed, but not devastated. So here's the big thing that's the gap. What we know versus what we do, how good they are versus how good they actually perform, right? And the space here, the gap, that's, that's, a term, that's determined by what they focus on. So you can know the right things to focus on, but if you don't focus on the right things, it doesn't really matter. Knowledge minus action equals a whole big zero, right? So they know right versus wrong, they make poor decisions. They want to be successful, they have poor habits. They prepare properly, poor performance, right? We talk about gratitude. I know you talk about gratitude. Why are they still entitled, right? I know we talk about don't worry about records and rankings. Why do they still care? I know you tell them don't worry about the last time you competed against this team and they killed us, but they do. I know you talk about don't worry about being tired. You're in good shape, but they worry about being tired. It's because that's not how they think. Men, raise your hand. Men, raise your hand high. Okay, women, raise your hand high. Okay, so I could say it's just women, but realistically it's men too. When you talk to your significant other and you're having an argument and you believe one thing and they believe the other, but you know that you're right. Well, you know the sun is yellow, orange, whatever it is, but your partner says that it's, it's green. That sun is green, right? It's, I'm telling you it's green. You know that they're dead wrong. So think of politics, COVID, all the arguments that we've had over the last two years, right? You know someone's dead wrong but you can't change your opinion even though you're giving them all the facts in the world. Be you can't change the way that they feel until they change the way that they think. That's what we change. You wanna change the way they perform? They have to change the way that they think. You can't do that. Your mom, dad, big brother, big sister. It's very hard for them to listen to you. I'm not Mindset Mike at my wrestling club. I'm Coach Mike. They don't wanna hear Mindset Mike. They wanna hear occasionally stuff Right? But that's not what they want from me. They want coaching. They hear all these things from you. They can't receive everything. Not to mention, you don't have a process to teach it. You just give really good advice. Right? So we have to address this gap. So regulating your focus will address this gap. So what do we focus on? There's things that matter. There's things that we can control. What you focus on, that's smack dab in the middle. Again, all this stuff sounds really good, right? Pretty sexy. It's Instagram worthy. You could put it on a, on a motivational video and the kids will love it. No tools. All I'm giving you is advice right now, right? Sounds really good, but it's just like all the books and the podcasts that you wrote down. There's no process that I've given you so far to teach you. I've given you some good tips, like narrowed it down to what you should focus on, but there's no systematic training process that I've given you yet to actually make this a reality. Giving them that advice will be helpful kind of like throwing something against the wall, right? Uh, you throw a turd against the wall, it'll smear, but it won't stick, right? Sorry to be gross, but that's the best example I can give, right? So you throw a turd against the wall, it smears. Doesn't stick though, right? We need stuff to stick. 
To some kids, it smears more than others, right? For some of us, it sticks more than others. I had in that same tournament, right, 13 kids in the finals, nine should have won, but uh, only four did. Four of those kids received the information. Five of those kids didn't, right? I don't know about you, but, like, I, I don't like those odds. So I needed more creative control, and that's where mindset training came in. So the way that you think influences how you feel. The way that you feel influences how you act, your performance. The way that you act, your performance will influence your outcomes. So we talk about this concept of predator-prey that we're about to get into, right? That means we, we go from productive or unproductive thoughts. That determines where our emotional energy and focus goes. That determines the action qualities that we take in our, our performances in our basketball games. Where's our attitude? Where's my effort? Am I taking chances? Is it productive or unproductive things that I'm going, uh, that I'm doing? Are my actions getting me closer or farther from my goals, right? And ultimately, so everyone's so focused on outcomes. Raise your hand high if you feel like your kids primarily worry about winning and not losing. Be honest with yourself. Okay. And, and like I said, the other half of you are in denial. So I, I, I get to travel around the country and work with all kinds of sports and all kinds of people. 99% of kids and coaches, whether or not they say it or not, are more focused on winning and not uh, winning or not losing, right? You have zero control of that. Whether you believe in God or the universe, you're not in control of whether or not you win or lose. But you can control how hard you work. You can control the attitude, which determines where your energy goes and your focus flows. You can determine how willing you are to make mistakes in order to score points, right? So realistically, every time that we play, we get to compete. And whether we win or lose, we should be learning. I win, what did I learn from it? The winning doesn't matter, what did you gain from it? I learned that this and this works, but that and that doesn't. I lose, you should essentially learn twice. It hurts, and it gives you more areas to improve, right? So you succeed and learn or fail and learn. So we're not focused on these outcomes, we're focused here. Control the way you think, you'll control the way you feel, you'll control the way that you play. Notice I said control. Right now your kids don't have control. Some days are good, some days are not. It's very conditional. Right? We can't be conditional. So you're, you're, you're listening to me and you're like, all right, that sounds great, but how do we make this happen? So how do you guys know, how, how do we spot the difference between predator and prey animal? Right? I think, how many of you hunt? All the animals you hunt have eyes in the front of their head. I'm sorry, all the animals that you hunt have eyes in the side of their head. Most of them, right? Rabbits, deer, squirrels, all the prey animals, all the animals that get eaten, right? Most of the animals that get eaten that are prey animals in the animal kingdom have eyes in the side of their head. All the animals that hunt those same animals have eyes in the side of their head. So you can see the sheep here, the wolf here. Same thing with you. Eyes are in the front of your head. Eyes in the front like to hunt. Eyes in the side like to hide. So the idea is that if we could teach athletes to have a predator mentality, we can't necessarily control the outcome, but you can control how well you perform. So this is the famous picture that really illustrates that as well. You know, prey animals, prey athletes, their head's on a swivel, their mind's on a swivel. They're focused on everything that's around them, right? They're focused on other people. They're caught up in the fan mentality and the hype. They're worried about what might happen instead of predators have a very limited, narrow vision. They're genetically created to kill or chill, one thing at a time. They do not have the ability or the cognitive ability to really focus on all these other things. Okay, so if you want to change the way you think, I'm sorry, you want to change the way you perform, you need to change the way you think. Right? And again, it doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you won 10 state titles. If you want to keep winning state titles, the only way that you're necessarily going to keep doing that is by getting an edge over your opponents because eventually 
you'll graduate people, they'll get stronger, faster, smarter, they'll start closing the gap. So that's why personally, like I work with a lot of top 25 teams in the country across sports that are looking to either win that state title or stay on the top, right? Our company as a whole works with a ton of people in the middle, right? I just wanna get the most out of my team. I coach because I want my kids to learn these life lessons and I wanna teach them confidence and teach them how to relax under pressure, right? But it comes down to changing the way that you think more than ever in this generation, more than ever in this generation. 20 years ago, our business would have been quite as successful. It was really only sports psych, which is not necessarily what we do, but it's part of what we do. You know, performance psychology was only something that you saw at the Olympic level, right? Now, even we work with the Olympic teams and they have a full team of sports psychs because we have a sports specific approach. It's a lot more easy to, to digest. So I talked about gratitude, right? Gratitude is about being opportunity oriented, not just being thankful. Now we talk about all the time, we have four mindset principles. Uh, and the first one is I'm thankful for the opportunity to compete, which means I get to compete. I don't have to compete. I earned a starting spot. I wanna make the most of my opportunity to compete, right? I have to win, I get to compete, right? If I have to win, then I don't wanna lose. I can't make a mistake. I'm not gonna take chances. Versus I'm excited to play. Mistakes are just part of the game. I'm happy to be there. Chemically, the hack is dopamine. When you're excited and you're smiling and you're pumped, your brain produces dopamine. Dopamine is constantly in competition with cortisol, the stress hormone. Any of you when you've competed or you've heard your kids say that like their, their, their legs started getting heavy, right? Their, their, their body starts slowing down, they're not tired. That's cortisol. Cortisol is flowing through their brain because stress is flowing through their heart. So when they're stressed, it, your brain produces cortisol. When you're happy, your brain produces dopamine. So when you learn how to weaponize that dopamine flow, it's a lot easier for the energy to go in the right place. And then your kids just play as hard as they can. See what happens, right? Ultimately, you have no control over whether or not you win or lose. Think of my UFC fighters. They don't have problems. They just want to cash three checks instead of one. Show up, one check, win, two checks, 50K bonus, three checks, right? So they have to show up and show out if they want to make more money and then fight for titles. So they have to be able to uh, they have to be able to be excited to be there instead of worrying about whether or not they're winning or losing because here's the reality. You could win three rounds in your head. The whole crowd knows you won, but the judges didn't see it that way. So I don't know how many of you watch MMA, but man, there's some bad judging in the last couple years. So I tell these guys, like, listen, you see it all the time. You could fight the fight of your life and still lose. So how about you stop worrying about winning and losing and just fight your ass off, right? So uh, I just, I made a post. Uh, that had videos of my kids that won Fargo. They were smiling, laughing uh, during the competition in their interviews. They talked about being excited, having fun, loving wrestling. And um, when you focus on the fun, it's a lot easier to win the fight. And you, how many of you tell your kids to have fun? Great advice. But if your kids are worried about winning and losing, that's stressful. So even if you tell them the right things all the time, that doesn't mean that's how they think or feel. They think winning good, losing bad. So maybe it starts off fun, but when things go sideways, it's no longer fun. Ask your kids what they love about basketball. Most of them will say winning in their top three. Bet you. So elements of the predator mindset, right? So the focus should be on, like we know all the things not to focus on, and we could be more specific, right? But the focus should be on these things right here, right? What you can control, yourself, not other people. You should simplify your vote, your focus have a what's next mentality, and you need to be able to reframe your thoughts. So let's look at this here. We all know that a lot of the new cars have these like accident detection te uh, technology, 
right, where they let you know if you're like swerving in the other lane, it beeps and it vibrates, okay? Uh, it knows how close you are to another car to prevent you from being in an accident. Mindset training is literally this for sports and life. You start training your brain to recognize things that come in or that when things are about to go wrong. And ultimately, when you're good at that, less things go wrong and more things go right. So when you can emotionally regulate, you have these tools and these practices and these processes to manage your mind, right? Like we really haven't taught our kids to manage their mind. Joe Rogan in the podcast goes on to talk about like, imagine if no one ever showed you how to change a tire. They just gave you uh, that big tire wrench. They said, hey, figure it out. Well, first you gotta, you know, first you gotta jack it up. Then you gotta take the lug nuts off. Then you gotta pull it off. Then you gotta do this, then you gotta do that, right? Versus if we didn't tell you anything, everyone's trying to do one before the other, right? And they're wasting all this time and they're getting frustrated. They say, screw it, I'm just gonna call a tow truck. We never, we've never given kids a process to manage the most important muscle that you're telling me is 90% of the game. Sounds kind of crazy, right? So having these blinders on. So this is like predator, this is like that uh, picture of the wolf, right? They lit you literally cannot see what's to the right and to the left. Predator animals, predator mindset, you do not have, I mean, you have the ability to, but you're taught to only focus on a very specific set of things. These are the things you are allowed to think or feel. You are not allowed to think or feel X, Y, and Z. Imagine every time your kids thought one of those prey mindsets and they let it affect their emotions, you just punch them square in the face. How many times are you gonna, how many times are they gonna let you punch you in the face? How many times are they gonna let you punch them in the face? Maybe once or twice, unless they're silly, right, and just don't wanna fix it. Let me give you a better example. Let's say for you, you have trouble managing your mind and you get caught up in a lot of prey mindset. Every time that you let a prey thought affect the way that you thought, and the way that you felt, I took 50 bucks out of your bank account. Imagine if we have those kind of consequences on managing our mind. I have a feeling you're not gonna wanna go broke, right? But we don't have those consequences and you don't have the tools to fix it. So I'm gonna go through this, not relatively quickly, but not relatively slow. I, I, I wanna get into details for each of these things. Like I said, hopefully you guys could take a little notes just to break it down. Let me, uh, let me go backwards real quick. So most presentations, right, I just give a brief description of these things. So I'm gonna meet you in the middle, right, and I'm going to go through a more detailed description just at a little faster pace, just so you can really understand what each of these things mean. Because this sounds great, but again, I, I wanna narrow and simplify where your head's at, okay? So control your controllables, we hear it all the time, but when it comes to effort, attitude, and aggressiveness, right, playing hard's easy to think, but we have a worksheet that literally says what effort looks like in basketball, what effort looks like, a checklist of what effort looks like in softball, what effort looks like in soccer, right? So being able to know effort means like doing this, doing this, doing this, a checklist of yes or no. Attitude is not just the attitude that you come in, it's staying composed. Ref makes a bad call, you make a mistake, staying composed. Attitude means I get to compete, I'm happy to be here, not I'm obligated to win, I'm nervous to mess it up, right? Attitude is we're here to dominate, not hope to win. Aggressiveness, right, like I said, when your desire to be aggressive and give a full effort is greater than your fear of failing or making mistakes, that's when we win more. All this stuff sounds great, but it's not how kids are conditioned. So that's why we need to change the way that they think to change the way that they feel. All right, so focus on you. So much of our kids' focus is on other uh, things outside of our control, 
And a big part of that is other people. How good the other team is, the players that they have, who's their coach, how many, how many times they've won a title, what their record is, what their ranking is, is this a conference game, right? You have zero control over other people, zero. If every time you thought about somebody else at work and worried about what they were doing, I took 50 bucks out of your bank account, how often are you gonna keep focusing on other people? It does nothing for you. It's the equivalent of me kicking you in the gut. Nothing for you. But we continue to do it anyway. Why? It's how we're conditioned to think. I think that because this team is good, I feel that we have to play real smart. So I'm gonna take, so I'm gonna take less chances and score less points. The objective should be trying to move the ball down the court, right? Not to score, just move the ball. Football, move the ball. Lacrosse, move the ball. It could take a while to score. Move the ball. This is big. All right, do your job. Don't worry about other people, opponents or your teammates. Just do your job. What's your job? Give a full effort, have the right attitude, be aggressive, look to move the ball. Right? Play your role. Depending on what side of the court you're on, depends on what your role is in that moment. Just do your job. Basketball and football, tons of different people doing tons of different things. Just play your role. Do your job. When you do your job, you'll help your team. Don't worry about winning for the team, just do your job. And if everybody on the court's doing their job and they're focused on the right things, it becomes very hard to do the wrong ones. So focusing on progress, not the past. Performance, not the score or, or the time that's left. Chad, you said how long? Two? 20. Wow, really? You sure? Okay. Well, in that case, I'll slow down. Jeez. So focus on you. Don't worry about them. Focus on your performance, not the score of time. Focus on the progress, not your past. How many of you feel like your athletes are caught up in other people and other things a lot? Raise your hand. So the reason that we're raising our hand is that it helps us realize that this is normal. Right? It doesn't matter the sport. It's all the same. Right? So I worked with a, this past year, uh, top 20 women's NAI team out of Kentucky. And... This team, they beat two ranked teams, right, when they were not ranked, right? And when you were to ask them, like, why did they do it, right, it had a lot more to do with we were just happy to be there, play as hard as we can with each other. We had a bunch of seniors. It was one of the last games, like senior night or something like that. They were so excited to play with their seniors for the last time versus more worried about how good the other team was. You choose where your focus is, where your focus goes, your energy flows. So if 80% is worried about how good the other team is or how good the girl that you're guarding is, then only 20% is focused on doing your job. When you're focused on doing your job, you get a lot more out of yourself. Okay, narrow and simplify your vision. So instead of what's worrying, don't worry about what's on around you, focus on your task at hand. Like I said, depending on where you are in your position and the, the point of the game, the time of the game determines what your job is in that moment. Just do your job. How many of you follow pro football? All right, so everybody remembers when uh, the Falcons uh, absolutely collapsed and came, uh, lost uh, to the Patriots and they were up by like three touchdowns, right? So when you interview Brady and all of them talking about the biggest upset, the biggest comeback in uh, Super Bowl history, it was like it was rehearsed. Every Patriot said the same thing. How'd you guys pull this off? They said, man, we were just trying to move, move the chains. Just trying to move the chains. Not score. There's 100 yards to score. You know, I think one of the drives is like a 13-minute drive. They just had to focus on moving the chains. Those of you that don't know football, getting a first down, getting a first down. So essentially, 10-ish yards at a time. 
They didn't focus on coming back from 21 points. Hey, man, best we could do is just move the chains. It's not going to be four Hail Marys. Just got to move the chains. It's no difference in basketball, right? Now, I ask people all the time, how many of you, like, hey, kids, how many of you uh, think winning and losing is usually the most important reason? I'm sorry. How many of you think the point of playing a game is to win or lose? You all raise your hand, right? What's the purpose of playing? To win, not to lose. All right. Well, how many of you have won but played terribly? How, how many of your teams have won but played terribly? How many of your team have lost but played really well? So when they hear that, they understand that, well, it's not really about whether or not I win or lose. It's got a lot more to do with how well I play. And if I play well, we'll win more. So when you can surrender the outcome of whether or not you win or lose and focus on what you can control and play well, you guys get where I'm going, right? So when we make things into micro moments, moving the chains, moving the ball, it's a lot easier to manage a whole game. Just like I said, I can't tell kids to do 30 suicides, just one suicide at a time. How many suicides are we doing, coach? Till we're done, do one at a time and reset. Right, this is big, having a what's next mentality, right? Having a what's next mentality. So focus on the next play, not the past or future. Compete in the present moment, 15 seconds at a time, right? Surrender the outcome. So I like using the baseball example, even though we're not in a baseball, uh, 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 the baseball talk because a lot of people are worried about like the whole game. Well, there's nine innings, right? So imagine if, imagine if uh, you know we're, we're we're playing a baseball game and you're you're in the field first and they score five runs on your team. You're just gonna quit. You haven't even gotten up to bat yet. There's eight more innings left. Plenty of time to play. But why is it that when we get down early, our kids get discouraged? because you're so focused on how far they are from winning and how close they are to losing and not just playing well. And then I'll ask kids, how many of you have been down by 10 and come back, 20 and come back, 25 and come back? Oh, I guess when you put it that way, it makes sense. Right, so surrender the outcome, right? Teaching kids that they have no control whether or not they win or lose, but they have absolute control over a set standard set of things, which I'll show you here in a minute. So reframing, right, addressing that gap, Prey thought comes in, I need to pause and refocus. Think of that Michael Phelps picture. We all start focusing on the right things. Phelps was focused on swimming hard. He didn't care who was around him. The other guy was worried about where Michael Phelps was. That guy beat Michael Phelps at the world championship. People don't know that. He beat Michael Phelps. Then he was so caught up on beating Michael Phelps that he forgot to just swim hard. Probably would have won if he just swam hard like he did the first time, right? So we have to take these unproductive thoughts, filter them through, and then turn them into something that is productive. So let me show you what that looks like, all right? So common thoughts when we bring out our, when we play our best, I'm focused on my moves, my skill, how good my team is, there's no special games, I'm just gonna make them tired, I don't care what anybody thinks versus what about letting people down? What if I get tired, right? How good the other team is, over underestimate. This is how we evaluate performance outside of outcome. Effort, attitude, aggressiveness. Did we do these things well? When kids are chasing check marks and not getting their hand raised, it's a lot easier to manage. Just like at work. When we have a process to follow, it's a lot easier to be successful. This is the definition of focus on the process. We tell your kids to focus, three minutes, we tell our kids to focus on the process all the time, but you don't, you've never, you never outlined what the process is. When they have a process to follow, when you plug a goal into a system, it's almost hard to fail. 
you plug a goal into hard work, you have zero guarantees. If you were gonna invest $10,000 into my investment firm, and so, okay, Mike, so how are you gonna make me money? Well, you know, I'm gonna work really hard, and uh, I'm gonna do my best. That's the equivalent of what we're having kids do. Hey, trust the process, focus on the pro, what the hell's the process? If I ask 10 coaches, eight of them are not gonna be able to answer it well. The two that do, they don't teach it well to their kids. They may talk about it well, and listen, I'm not insulting anybody. I could just say this from working with thousands of people to include coaches that are the absolute best. Two of my coaches that I work with last year in two different sports, three, four, four, one national coach of the year in their sport. They're all really good, right? But they're really good at a lot of things, but they don't necessarily do a great job of teaching process. Not because they're bad, just they lack the system to do it. So this is when you guys send me the stuff on the iPad. This is one of the things that I'm gonna send you. When your kids focus on this, the wind takes care of itself. I had a kid at Fargo that signed up literally in the middle of Fargo. Oh, I worked with him like two, three times in the middle of Fargo. He went one and two, one and two, and then uh, I started working with him after his second tournament, there's four tournaments, after the second tournament. One and two, one and two, junior national champion. Every, after every match, I had him do one of these. I said, hey man, we're chasing X's and O's. We're not, we're not chasing wins. The more that his nose turned to yeses, the better that he wrestled. I knew what he was capable of. I knew the kid. He's a national finalist in, in, in other styles. Really tough. Quick shift of focus. Drastic change in results. All right? So these are the things that we preach to your guys and your girls. Right? These are our four core principles. You have your core principles. These are our four. And we beat them into their heads before and after every practice, and the kids that really buy in, they say it in the morning and at night as well. So many kids on my, on that, are, that, that, I, that we work with across the country, you'll see the tags on their Instagram, always talking about I'm thankful for the opportunity to compete. Because when you treat your sport like hunting and fishing, I get to hunt or fish. I'm not mad that I woke up at five o'clock in the morning, froze my ass off in a deer blind, and then shot nothing. I'm just happy that I got to hunt because I don't get to do it often. But when we get to compete and we treat it with that same attitude, you'll see a drastic difference in what your kids are able to do, right? Thankful for the opportunity to compete. I'm aggressive and relentless. I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. I never, ever give up, all right? So if you put this stuff in your iPad, um, I'm gonna send you uh, that game evaluation, right? And uh, I'll send you one or two other things that'll be helpful tools. If you are interested, and having us work with your team, right? You, some of you probably coach multiple sports. We work with entire athletic departments in schools. We work with multiple sports at a school and just single sports at a school. If you are interested in having us help you with your team, right? To teach them these skills that are critical for not just sports, but are life. Like I said, I'll contact you, contact me back. Find me at booth eight. I'll be here for the next two days. My cell phone's written on everything. Feel free to text me. And uh, you're welcome to tune in on any of the other presentations that I have for other sports if you wanted to kind of get more of an idea. But like I said, I'm thankful to be here. This is day 17 of a 22-day road trip across seven states for me where I've either been presenting or coaching. Everyone's like, how do you do this, right? I started off at the, at the Conor McGregor fight because I worked with his training partner. He invited me out there, spent the whole week, spent three days there. 3.30 in the morning, I'm on a plane to go do a camp in Michigan. 6 a.m., I'm on a plane to go to Fargo. At Fargo, I drive five hours to go and hop on a plane to go to Wyoming. From Wyoming, I go to Phoenix. From Phoenix, I come here. Like, why do you do that, man? That must be crazy. And I'm like, I get to do this. Like, this is what I signed up for. 
sports. I had the coolest job in sports where I get to show kids how good they could be. The, the coaches that put all that time and effort in, it gets to show up. I've been in your shoes and it sucks to put in all that effort and you know those kids are better and they don't perform. Or maybe your kids are pretty good and you wanna, and you wanna give them that edge. So like I said, please keep in touch um, if you wanna pursue this more. Uh, thankful, uh, I'm very thankful that you guys gave me your full attention and I hope, like I said, you took away some good tools because like I said, you focus on the right things, it becomes hard to do the wrong ones. Thank you. Yep, yep, yep. I think something else is stuck in here. Yep, a cap. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Energy works that way. That sounds good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, we, 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 yeah, we, we, yeah, we have the same thing as well. We have uh, sales mindset training program and just general mentorship as far as like you know, doing this for a business owner. We, we or everybody for sure. Well, it's like, think about this, like, you know, if you work hard for 40 hours, would you give half your paycheck to your boss? No. Well, of course not, so just fucking play hard and right. like see what happens. But that's not how they think. No. So if you make it about that, like, control the things you can control, play as hard as you can, and you're like, all right, man, we'll just see what happens. Right. You know what I mean? Booth, right? I'm, I'm, in, I'm in booth, uh, so for being that you're right in front of my face, uh, I will do this, uh, where am I, Montana? Put your put your name, school, and then your cell phone, um, and then I'll I'll contact you for that. But uh, my booth eight, yeah, we've got like more materials and stuff at the booth as well. Here, come out, walk with me. Chad, you got that iPad? Okay. If anybody else wants that iPad, because he didn't get it either, if anybody else wants that iPad, we'll be at eight, or you can come over here. Holy shit, it's hot in here. I'm not gonna be able to take this off. I might have a, I, I think I have sweat from like elbow to elbow. I know, it's okay. So tomorrow I'll, 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 I'll probably be in a Adidas and sneakers, considering how hot it is. Yeah, 50, so, oh yeah, so 50 minutes, 50 minutes. Yeah, 50 minutes. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, that was crucial. I would have no, I would have no idea. So you put the information in here, okay. Yeah, so pretty much like, as soon as you wanna get started, we can get started. We usually do things with teams uh, prior to the season, we get started, you know, ha get, get a couple workshops in. Like, you don't wanna pre-game you, you pre routine three weeks in or something, right? Like, so if you get, you can get the kids a little early, now that Zoom is so normal, that's how we deliver everything. So they can meet on Sundays over Zoom 
for a couple times, like if they can't be in the same room. Like you can get them in the same room. Yeah. Then once the season starts, then you dedicate 45 minutes a week and do training. Yeah, for sure, 100%. As long as you want. So like, uh, I just signed up one of the top 10 teams in the country for 36 workshops. So we'll spread that across 52 weeks, right? So it could be 52 weeks. So 36, 24, 12, eight. Those are essentially the main programs that we work with. So like one sport usually does, if it's just a season, eight to 12. If they're doing it longer than that, 24, 36. Does that make sense? So. So 2,000 to 2,200, 2,700 to 3,000, then $1,000 off, $1,500 off. So uh, two, three, five, 7,500. It's for 36 that gets spread across 52 weeks. Because like we're gonna have vacation and other things. So it's up to you how you wanna do it. So you could do 18 and 18, right? Or you could do 24 and 12. Uh, the bigger the room, the, l the less able you're going to be, the less you're going to be able to really get like intimate attention. Okay. If you've got a great culture, 100 kids don't matter. Like really hard. Yeah. So you're going to want like smaller groups. You're probably going to split up boys and girls. Yeah. So a big part of that is being able to, like one of the slide I didn't get to talk about is like things, help, things that we help coaches, problems we help coaches solve. Uh, and one of them is uh, like helping build culture. So when you're, when you're thankful that you get, I get to practice. Right, it's an opportunity yeah. to get better, and then I go to the game, yeah. and now I get to show my hard work. Yeah. Right, like that's a culture that we have to shift. And 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 you may have to to have the idea of like maybe I only want eight kids on my roster because those are the eight kids that like embody that culture. So, and I I, I, I tell coaches that too. Like, if if I'm a Division One coach, I can't just recruit the other guys. Right. I got to recruit the right guys. Right. So a lot of coaches are like, listen, this is the culture. I'm either going to recruit eight guys. And the 30 guys that don't fit, like they're either gonna change or they're out, you know? And administrations aren't, don't always get on board with that, but nowadays, you know, So now when you say, so you're interested in doing football and basketball? Yeah, yeah, Oh, wow. Yep, 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 yep. So if you did 36, you could split 12, 12, 12. Yeah. So what I'm hearing in my head is three, so boys basketball, girls basketball, men's football, 12, 12, 12. Oh yeah, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think part of, yeah, like I said, we, we have to discuss more like culture-wise like how we can make, like anything's possible. It's just a matter of like the most effective way that we can get it done. Yeah, yeah, like it's also given the priority of like, listen, hey, this, this culture is fucked. Like you either want more attention or less because it's so fucked, right? Versus like, hey, these girls, they, they, they could turn it around. These boys, let's just get them to start understanding. Like this is a multiple year thing. This isn't like a one and done. Like I work with teams for as long as they're you're a coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Speaking of.